You're listening to the Bone Shaker Cast. I'm Gary Fool. This is about people and bikes. Bikes not as we know them. These are bikes adapted to ride the abandoned railroads of the world. At the turn of the 19th century, America was expanding rapidly. People were spilling west, making their way across the vast unknown, across the deserts, across the Great Plains and over the mountain ranges. Before this time, everything had been confined to the eastern seaboard. Movement was governed by where the rivers flowed. But as more people continued to land in the New World, caravan trails carved arteries west into the lands of plenty, and settlements formed along the way. Then came the railroads, and as the tracks were laid, more towns sprung up. And you couldn't establish a town without... A newspaper, a railroad, and a post office. These towns boomed, and people would move and settle across the American West because of transport and communications. And amidst this hustle and bustle moved the journeymen, the tram printers. They were primarily hobos, like train hoppers, transient people that didn't really have a place in in settled society. They traveled America and setting type for newspapers and printing houses. These Shakespeare quoting craftsmen helped spread the written word and the spoken word through their poetry and tales. Part of the first trade union in the US, they were an educated free-spirited breed whose work was shaped by the experience of their travels. They roamed the steel tributaries of the country for 200 years. And then, in the second half of the 20th century, they, like the railroads, vanished. There is like a huge parallel in these histories and the way that they played out over time. Those places, especially in the West, are, are abandoned or are really run down and don't have the same industries as they did 20, 15, 10 years ago. And so how, how do you reconcile those things and how do you see change over time and how can you as a person who's in the present go to a place and even be able to like look back at the history? So if we were to take on the modality of these people who would you know, hop on trains, get off in some town, show up to a letterpress or newspaper and um, be there for three days and then hop back on another train. So Audrey Snyder with fellow artist Joe Riley set out to explore these histories down the broken and rusting railroads of Northern California and Oregon. We talked a lot about just um, how quickly we wanted to move through an environment um, and how it seemed essential that we had some type of locomotion instead of just walking it or um, driving to different spots and looking at the railroad that we actually wanted to be able to travel it um, kind of on our own volition. Rail bikes have a really awesome history and they've existed since trains have existed. Originally they were um, uh, right-of-way maintenance vehicles so the train companies actually had these like huge steel bikes with outriggers and um, often flange wheels in the front so that if a train had some kind of mechanical issue instead of bringing a whole locomotion out you could you know pedal down the track and we like that idea of, of being quick enough to feel like you were 
going along the railroad, but slow enough that you could notice things and be a part of what was there. We brought a letterpress, like a little, it's called a Kelsey 3x5 letterpress, and it's this so super heavy little tiny machine that prints about, you know, three inches by five inches um, plate, and we dragged it around with us and um, printed the whole time we were on the road. Usually not while we were cycling, but after, and made a, what we call dispatches. So that was our way of, you know, relating it back to the present. In the same way that you're on the rails and you're going at a slow enough pace to experience you know, where you are, I think setting type and thinking about the words and thinking about just the expressions that popped into our heads when we were in those places and setting them pretty slowly and then printing them, it's, it's a very similar process. Um, and I think something that we ended up talking about a lot was actually just the mechanics of a bicycle and like the revolutions of a wheel and that operate in, this, in a similar way as a revolution of a letterpress and the fact that you have to turn it and it's an imprint and um, you know the bicycle tires imprinting onto the rail and the way that everything is kind of paralleled. It's metaphoric, you're, you're on this track and you just go until you can't go anymore. First stop, Teoshapi, the famous railroading town west of the Mojave Desert in Southern California. There they met with a former railroad rider. So we got a design from this guy whose surname is Bentley and he's a rail bike enthusiast and he encourages people to, to build their own bikes and ride abandoned rights of way. They test rode the bikes along the Union Pacific Main Line and after diving off the tracks twice to dodge freight trains, they headed north along to the safety of the ghostly tracks of the Redwood Highway Railroad. It connected San Francisco with, I think the farthest north it went was Ukiah, or even maybe farther north, but we couldn't figure out exactly where it terminated. And that originally was um, what it, exactly what it sounded like. They were going into the forest and getting lumber and, and sending it down on the railroad to San Francisco to get it milled. It's a beautiful railroad, and it, and it does connect this major thoroughfare, which is like a metropolitan area, with all these kind of like remote inlets of industry. And if you travel north up that west coastline, there are abandoned mills and mining towns, and tracks off into the woods that seem to lead nowhere, or just disappear. There's a tree growing through the, the centre of the track and you can't get by. Or tracks would just melt into roads. We didn't anticipate like, how ruined they would be. Because in most cases, you know, you'd cycle for an hour or less and um, there'd be a total washout. So the whole entire bed of the railroad is just gone and you're on top of these literally just like steel rails that are swinging in the wind. Moving and navigating along these herky-jerky railroads, there are signs that help to see what happened here and how it happened over the course of time. Some of the tracks snake mysteriously through backyards or amongst grazing cattle. 
but there is a consistency that indicates their demise. The railroads came first, there weren't any roads. So they would pick, you know, point A and point B and, you know, there's a river. So the river is the lowest point and there's a bank next to the river and they would just build the railroad there. And then um, eventually the roads got built next to it. So there's always this kind of parallel movement. So firstly, people traveled on the rivers, then along the railroads and then the roads. There was a speedy cultural and political shift in the second half of the 20th century that affected printing, transport and communications. There was a huge restructuring of the road system all across America. You know, there's so much more airplane travel at that point that there is like a convergence in how people were spending their time. So less on railroads, less commuting on trains, more in individual cars, experiencing a highway or, or being in an airplane. And um, this emphasis on efficiency and doing things faster also relates to printed culture. So there's all these anecdotes of tramp printers being horrified with the linotype machine because it essentially replaces them. So instead of having someone who's really skilled and fast and um, efficient to set all your type for a daily newspaper, you have a machine where you can type it in and it gives you line by line and then eventually that becomes obsolete when offset printing becomes um, commercially viable. So I think change over time is essential to look at and you can, you can enter these places like the railroad and see how overgrown it is and how almost wild and out of, out of time it feels. But then you think back along the course of, of history and of that track especially, and you can see how it's systematic and it's emblematic of a larger cultural and political shift. GM wants you to buy cars. They don't want you to take a railroad. You can read more about the Parallel Cases project at parallelcases.tumblr.com. And Boneshaker did a whole variety of features on rail biking in issue 12, so you can have a little look there too. Jet McDonald has been a regular contributor to Boneshaker over the years, and his pieces have probably been the most exploratory ramblings in the magazine. So we thought it'd be nice to get him to read you some bits and pieces on this show once in a while. This is from an article called Crank Punk in issue 16 of Bone Shaker. One of the delights of cycling is its apparent ease and simplicity, so simple in fact that if we don't pay enough attention, the mechanics of it can seem boring. But when there is a snarl in the connection of body and machine, then we are forced to recognise the endlessly complex series of components and events that drive us and the bicycle forward. No one thinks about the bottom bracket, the mysterious tube that joins the pedals together, until it's broke, when it feels like we're pedalling through grouchy sand. No one thinks about the cushioning balloon of air that is the pneumatic tyre until we have a puncture. And no one thinks about their knees until the knees call a go slow and set up a picket line to the pedals. It is brokenness that makes us realise the integrity of the whole. 
The poet Keats called the Velocipede rather disparagingly the nothing of the day. But in a way, his nothing, his dismissiveness, reveals cycling's hidden mystery, its ability to transport without vast transport, its ghost of a skeleton, its airy grace, its see-through spaces, its magic. And it is only when the curtain is pulled back on the illusion, when the system fails, that we think about the workings, the grimy nuts and bolts, the worn brake pads, the fibrous cartilage in our own knees. And each of these parts, individually and cantankerously, has its own personality and meaning. To be fallible, to err, is human, and I am increasingly drawn to broken parts and broken human beings more than podium winners and podium bicycles. Just as there should be delight in the magical simplicity of the cycling, the joyous nothingness, there should also be delight in its grimy constituents, the backstage pulleys that make the stage show happen. Living within a governed society, we are bound by a social contract. We agree to abide by the rules of a society so that all may benefit. Those at the top of the pile with the best mental health, the best heritage, the most money, the shiniest bikes have to give something of themselves such that those at the bottom of the pile with the fractured minds, the poor healthcare, the skip bike can still get by, can aspire to a happier place. I have a shiny bike and a skip bike, but I am always drawn, I believe, towards the skip bike, because it always seems to me more human, more honest in its creaky, cranking parts, its rusting surfaces. Why dost thou speak with the tongue of the bicycle, the nothing? asked Keats. Because the bicycle is a microcosm, an extension of the human self. When we care for the broken bicycle, we care a little bit for the brokenness of ourselves, the awkwardness of the ill-fitting cog in the 9 to 5 machine. When we care for the broken rider, we care a little bit for the broken community, the rusting dynamics of the ever-shifting metropolis that have to rub along together. So yes, I am hopelessly romantic to keep comparing the bicycle to the rider, the parts to the human part but I honestly believe that the spoked wheel is a living, breathing creation that is much a part of the breathing mechanics of the world as those that ride it. And I've got a whole bunch of other crazies to back me up. So you've been listening to the Bone Shaker cast. Music on this show has been by James Blackshaw, Blue Dot Sessions, Ariel Kalmer, The Cynics, Stefan Basho Jungens, Lucky Dragons, and Minotaur Shock. It's been presented by me, Gary Fall, and is an event in sound production. We're wanting to get this show on the road and bring you many more stories and thoughts, but we of course need your help to do so. All we ask is that you subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, Stitcher if you use that, and please just share it around those social media channels. We'd like to make this as regular as we can afford to, and we'd really love you to be part of it. So until next time.